Joshua chapter 2, verses 1 through 24. Then Joshua, son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab, and spent the night there. The king of Jericho was told, Some Israelites have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come only to search out the whole land. But the woman took the two men and hid them. Then she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. And when it was time to close the gate at dark, the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know, so pursue them quickly, for you can overtake them. And she had said, however, or she had, however, brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax that she had laid out on the roof. So the men pursued them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords. And as soon as the pursuers have gone out, the gate was shut. Before they went to sleep, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the dread of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt in fear before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the kings of the Amorites that were beyond the Jordan, the Shion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no courage left in any of us because of you. The Lord your God is indeed God in heaven above and on earth below. Now then, since I have dealt kindly with you, swear to me by the Lord that you in turn will deal kindly with my family. Give me a sign of good faith that you will spare my father and my mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. The men said to her, our life for yours. If you do not tell this business of ours, then we will deal kindly and faithfully with you when the Lord gives us the land. Then she let them down by a rope through the window for her house was on the outer side of the city wall and she resided within the wall itself. She said to them, go toward the hill country so that the pursuers may not come upon you. Hide yourself there for three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterwards you may go on your way. The men said to her, we will be released from this oath that you have made us swear to if we invade the land and you do not tie this crimson cord in the window through which you let us down and you do not gather into your house, your father and your mother, your brothers and all of your family. If any of you go out the doors of your house into the street, they shall be responsible for their own death, and we shall be innocent if a hand is laid upon any of you who are you with you in this house. We should bear the responsibility of their death. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be released from this oath that you've made us swear to. And she said, according to your word, so be it. So she sent them away, and they departed. Then she tied the crimson cord in the window. They departed and went into the hill country and stayed there three days until the pursuers returned. The pursuers had searched all along the way and found nothing. Then the two men came down from the hill country. They crossed over, came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him all that had happened. And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands. Moreover, all the inhabitants of the land melt in fear before us. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
You know, I don't know about you and your household, but this time of year, when it gets into October, we are starting to ramp up with all the fall festivities and activities. You know, we go to the farmer's market and get the pumpkins and all that kind of stuff and put that out in the front of your home. You know, we begin putting out fall decorations in the house. You know, churches and schools, they get fall festivals and carnivals together and you start signing up on what you can do for those and you show up and have all those fun activities. Pumpkin carving contests, Halloween parties. Of course, then at the end of October, it's the pinnacle of all the trick-or-treating. You know, whether you've got kids and you're trick-or-treating or you're at your home handing out candy or whatever. You know, October is just a fun month of just getting ready as the season's changing into fall, as nature is changing. We just begin changing our seasons of life and what we're doing. One thing that we started doing in my house to kind of get us even more into the fall mood is to watch either on Friday or Saturday kind of like a kid family Halloween type of movie. You know, there's not a lot of them out there, but there's some, you know, like Hocus Pocus. I grew up watching Hocus Pocus. That's a tradition in our house. We've been introduced to Halloween Town. I don't know how I missed all those, but there's like four episodes of Halloween Town. So we're starting to watch some of those. Then, of course, the classic Charlie Brown and the Great Pumpkin, right? You've got to watch that one before Halloween comes or on Halloween night. You've got to watch Charlie Brown and the Great Pumpkin. So all these things we do to get ready for the season of fall and all that it brings. You know, when you watch these movies and when you go trick-or-treating and all that, you see also all these ghosts and goblins and ghouls and things that are in those and, and witches of all kind. And we all know about these ghosts and ghouls and goblins and there's some pretty popular witches that are out there. And there's one witch that has been there for centuries that we all probably know that came from a book that was written in the 1900s from a man named Frank Baum. Okay, he actually wrote a series of books, but one made the big movie in 1939, if y'all can think what that is, The Wizard of Oz. Okay, he wrote the children's book that later became The Wizard of Oz. It came out in 1939, the one that we all know is a classic. And in that movie and in that story there's one popular witch that we all know and it's the wicked witch of the west that's right she's the one that we all know interestingly enough out of the top five like villains and movies she makes the top five she's right behind Darth Vader believe it or not in American culture so you know she's she's one bad person and who, you know, the person that plays her does a really good job you know so a lot of times when we think of a witch we think of the wicked witch of the West. And in that story, she's the primary antagonist in the story. And her goal is to capture Dorothy and her friends as a journey on the way to, vi to visit the Wizard of Oz. And she gets pretty close a lot of times. She actually does capture Dorothy at one point. But all her friends are going to go see the Wizard of Oz because they all need something. Dorothy wants to get back home, right? The scarecrow needs a what? A brain, right? The tin man needs a heart. And the lion needs courage. That's right. Courage. The lion needs courage. And so as we go through our stewardship series, today's main focus and our character that we come across today, an unlikely hero, Rahab, we come to the idea of courage. Courage. And what that takes in the Christian faith. And what is courage when it comes to the Christian faith. 
You know, because as Israelites are crossing over into the promised land, they're going to come across many, many challenges. Even though this land is promised to them, they have to work for it a little bit. And if you're afraid and that fear paralyzes you, then you're not going to be able to do what God has laid out for you. Sometimes it takes courage. So looking at this passage here, looking at the first verse where it says, Then then Joshua, son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and spent the night there. You know, even though they were going to get the land, they still had to send out spies to survey the land. They still have to put a little bit effort into what God was promising them here in this moment. That's what you see here when he sends out the spies. And so just as in our own faith, even though we have the promise of salvation through Jesus Christ, we do have to put a little effort into our faith. Once you have faith, you spur into action. Your heart is changed. Things begin to move into place. You can't just passively sit there. And so here in this promised land, I think what we see time and time again in these stories in the Bible, that people still have to act. They still have to take action at times. And Rahab is an interesting pick because she is an unlikely hero. She's not making the lifestyle choices that many people would think she would make. But you know, if you're going to go be a spy and go into a town and not be discovered, a place like hers may be a place you can go where no one will be seeking you out. But here, when it gets to verse 2, the king of Jericho found out and he was told that some of the Israelites have come to search out the land. And then the king sent orders to Rahab to bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have only to search out the whole land. But here's the interesting thing. This is a moment that's important for Rahab. She could have said, okay, let me go get them and bring them to you. And they would have met their demise. But she didn't. She didn't. She lied, which is not a good thing either. But she had the courage to lie to the king to hide these spies. And so what she did was that she said, True, the men came, but I don't know where they came from. And when it was time to close the gate at dark, the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you can overtake them. But what she did, however, is she brought them to the roof, hid them with the stalks of flax that she laid out on the roof. And so the men pursued on into the night by the way of the Jordan, and the gate was shut. So she had the courage to not tell the truth to the king in order to save their lives. You know, she might not always make the right choice, but her faith in God is what saved her. And that's true for us. We don't always make the right choices in life, but it is our faith in God is what saves us. And hospitality in that culture was a thing to be respected. And what she did was above and beyond the normal hospitality, but by risking her own life to save these spies of Joshua's. And so before they went to sleep, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the dread of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt in fear before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you came out of Egypt 
and what you did to the kings of the Amorites and those beyond the Jordan, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there's no courage left. The Lord your God is indeed God in heaven above and on earth. The Lord your God is indeed the God in heaven above and on earth. Now, since I've dealt with you kindly, will you swear to me by the Lord that you in turn will deal kindly with my family? Give me a sign of good faith that you'll spare my father, mother, brothers, sisters, and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And so they replied, our life for yours. If you don't tell our business, then we will deal kindly and faithfully with you when the Lord gives us this land. You know, she has very little relationship with God. All she has heard with God of all the things that he is doing for his people, how he is faithfully following through for his people by bringing them out of Egypt, by handing over the promised land to them. That's her only connection to this Lord God of the Israelites. But yet she is so moved by the faithfulness of God to his people, she in turn proclaims her faith to that God, that he is the God of heaven and of earth. There in that moment, she acknowledges that God is Lord. And right there, she is going to be used in God's plan. She's going to be used in God's plan in this moment. And as she seeks faith and as she proclaims faith for herself, she is begging mercy on those of her family. Her faith is going beyond her and into her family. And so in these passages here, you see the faith of Rahab, the unknown hero the hero that no one expected in this moment. And so when she proclaims her faith and asks for her family and her family's lives to be spared, then she let them down by a rope through the window for her house was on the outer city or outer side of the city wall and resided within the wall itself. She said to them, go to the hill country so that the pursuers may not come upon you. Hide yourself for three days until they have returned. Then afterwards you may go your way. And so the men said to her, We will be released from this oath that you've made us swear to if we invade the land and you do not tie this crimson cord in the window through which you let us down. You do not gather into your home with your father, mother, brothers, and family. If any of you go out the doors of the house in the street, they will be responsible for their own death and we will be innocent. But if a hand is laid upon any of whom are you in the house, we shall bear that responsibility for their death. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be released from this oath that you made us swear to. And she said, according to your words, so be it. And she sent them on their way and they departed. Then she tied the crimson cord in the window. Many people say that crimson cord is a symbol. It is a symbol, yes, for the rope that will save her family when Israel invades Jericho. And many people say it's also a symbol of the blood of Christ that saves each and every one of us in this moment. And so that is something we should not forget, the sacrifice that Christ has made for us, just as Rahab made the sacrifice for the spies as she let them out the window on a crimson rope. And Rahab, in this story, she would be spared. She'd be spared. And she actually, as I keep saying, has a bigger piece in the story that we have. When you go back and look at the genealogy of Jesus in the book of Matthew, when it lists the lineage of Jesus, Rahab is in that lineage. She ends up marrying a prince of Judah, who therefore eventually becomes 
the grandparents and great-grandparents of King David and King Solomon. And so this unlikely hero in this story who helped the spies, who proclaimed her faith, is now a part of Jesus Christ's earthly lineage. And she is part of that story. And so when you look back and they departed, the spies, and they went into the hill country and stayed there for three days, the pursuers returned. They searched along the way and found nothing. Then the spies came down from the hill country, crossed over, came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him all that had happened. When you look at this, the spies were sent out to scout out Jericho. But when you really read it, did they really scout out the city? No. There was nothing probably really militarily they learned in that, in that mission. So what was the purpose? What was the point? It shows us how far God will go, how far God will go out to save individuals, to put moments in people's lives where they have a chance to proclaim their faith, to see the faithfulness of God. These spies were on a mission, but it wasn't a mission for the military. It was a mission for God. It was a mission of God for Rahab, and then for Rahab to prove her faithfulness, and for the spies to see her faithfulness. This mission was for the spies and for Rahab to show how faithfulness can be a big part of our journey. And the thing that we look at when we see all of this is that it takes courage. That it doesn't come easy, it doesn't come passively, but it takes courage. Looking back at the unlikely heroes of the Wizard of Oz, the cowardly lion, he should have been viewed as king of the beast, right? He's a lion, a powerful lion, but however, he was afraid. He was afraid. He was a scaredy cat. He couldn't sleep. He ran away when the, when the wizard yelled at him. He cried when Dorothy slapped him in the nose. He was not a big, mighty, powerful lion as we all thought he should have been. And you know, he was aware and ashamed of his weakness. He was aware of it. This is why he seeks to travel with Dorothy and the friends to go see the wizard, to get courage. He was so miserable with himself that he was motivated to seek change, to seek change. And he used that motivation to seek out help from the wizard. But as you know, the wizard doesn't initially give him courage. He doesn't give him that medal of courage. He sends him on a mission, right? To go get, the, get rid of the wicked witch of the West. He was sent on a mission. And during that mission, despite his fears, when Dorothy was captured and brought to the castle of the wicked witch, he stormed the castle for his friend Dorothy. He faced his fears and with courage for a friend went to go rescue her. You see, by going on this mission, the cowardly lion learned, and we all began to see as people watching the story unfold in front of us, he always had courage. He just had to own it. He just had to own it. We would see moments in the story where he would show courage. He didn't need that medal from the wizard. He just had to realize that he had it. You know, courage is the energy to face your fears and doubts and all the things that hold you back. And when we get to that moment in our life where we realize we're tired of living afraid, 
We're tired of being stagnant. We're ready to move forward. We can use that motivation to have courage. Courage doesn't make all that go away. It helps you to face it. Just like Rahab's threat of being found out from the king from hiding these spies never went away, but she had the courage to help them despite the dangers that were involved with it. The cowardly lion still had the danger and the fear of going to the castle, but faced those fears so he can save his friends. And so we will have to face our fears and doubts when we're moving forward in our faith. We all have to have the courage to give great thanks to the kingdom of God. And sometimes it takes us being still enough and uncomfortable enough to see what those things that we fear the most are. Why won't we give up our extra time that we have to the church? Why are we too busy? Why aren't we giving a little extra more money to the church? What are we holding back on? Why are we not spending our extra time in prayer? What's holding us back on those things? Our talents that we have. There's so many things that we are gifted with, but for some reason we don't want to give them up. And it takes courage for us to wrestle with those. It takes courage like Rahab, courage like the cowardly lion. It takes courage for us to face our fears as individual and unique as they are for each and every one of us and face them head on and move forward. So there again, in this season of stewardship, as we watch videos of our church family talking about how important St. Matthew's is to them, what they appreciate and how they give back, May we reflect on ways that we can find the courage, the courage that the cowardly line always had and never knew, the courage that we have and possess to face whatever's out there for the kingdom of God. Because we all have a piece in that story, that piece in that story, just like Rahab has a piece in that story. We are all important for God and in God's eyes. So may we never forget that. May we never let the world tell us anything different. And may we have faith that God is always going to be there for us, no matter what. Let us pray.